Thank you very much for being here today on The Battles Within. We're going to continue our study of the series, Who is Jesus? We um, have been talking about, this is our, actually our 14th session. There's a lot to cover. Obviously, it's the, book of Je- it's the life of Jesus. I mean, <laughs> we've barely scratched the surface, and we're, this is our 14th lesson, our 14 weeks in. So we appreciate you being here, those of you that have, and those of you that may have missed them, uh, you can find them on our YouTube channel at The Battle is Within, no spaces, thebattleiswithin.com. And you should be able to find uh, all of our messages, including our series that we're doing. We also have them if you want to listen to them in the car when you're riding along and you don't have time to, to watch the video, but you, you drive up down the road or whatever and like to listen to them. You can also find us on uh, Spotify and Anchor. And I believe we're also on the iTunes channel. Just look for The Battles Within. So, again, thank you much for uh, 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 your attention and your being here today. To, so today, as we talk about the, we finished with the temptation of Jesus last week, or as we say, the testing, because you can't tempt God. You can only, you can test him, but you can't tempt him. It's impossible to tempt God. The Bible tells us that, so we know that that's not possibility. But you certainly can test him. And he was tested like we are, the Bible says, because he did not use his own power. Uh, But we'll talk about that in a minute. So we see that Jesus was tempted last week in three ways. He was tempted on his provisions. You know, Satan knew that he was hungry, and he told him that he could simply turn the stones into bread. Now, Jesus certainly could have done that, uh, and without any issue at all, except he would have had to use his own power to do so, and he was not going to do that. Because for him to use his power on earth, it would make him something more than representing man, because man doesn't have these supernatural powers to call upon. So Jesus temporarily set aside his powers, as we know. When he performed the miracles, he performed the miracles through the Holy Spirit. He allowed the Holy Spirit to form those miracles. And Jesus said, what you see me do, you can do even greater than these. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. It wasn't Jesus. He temporarily set it aside. So for him to have turned the stones into bread would have been him using his power, which would have disqualified him from being the Savior, the representative of man. And Jesus knew that. And the way Jesus counteracted it, remember, was he used the scripture. I'm not going to rehash last week's lesson. You can go back and see it. But we know Jesus, he told him that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Because, see, God God has ordained and had, had proclaimed that Jesus would be the Son of God, or is the Son of God, and that Jesus would come in our place and live as a man and die for our sins. He would be a representative of us. And so that was what the word was, that he had to be man. Second thing we saw in the temptation was pride. You know, Satan suggested that uh, Jesus could show the world that he was the son of God and use some type of spectacular demonstration. That way, all of these people would want to come to him. They'd want to follow him. They'd want to do what he asked them to do. And so he can show the entire world because if he jumped off this temple, the angels would swoop down and save him. Jesus, of course, countered that test with 
again with the word of God, just like we can. And he told Satan that we should not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't put yourself in a position. Don't be tempting God, uh, testing God, tempting God. We saw the, the problem that the Jews had whenever they tempted God in the wilderness and God met their need, but then the, a lot of them suffered because of it. Uh, we see the third area that Jesus was tempted in is in providence. Satan proposed a plan that would cause, that would change the path that Jesus was on. Satan suggested that if uh, Jesus would uh, uh, wanted to get back since he came to save that which was lost, right? Since he came to redeem the world, to reclaim the world, then what he suggested was that instead of doing all that, if Satan said, listen, if you'll just fall down and worship me, you fall down and worship me, then uh, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. And you won't have to die on the cross. I'll give you all the things that you come after. You came after all mankind. I will give you those things if you just fall down and worship me. Well, this was the final straw. Jesus tells Satan to get thee behind me. You should not. You should worship the Lord God and no one else. Again, using God's word as a sword and a shield, just like we can, to fight against Satan. Jesus gave us a demonstration here on the temptation or testing, how we can endure temptation and testing, that we can rely upon the Word of God. As I told you before, as again, as Governor Huckabee always said, if it ain't in you, it can't come out of you. Well, that's true too. If it ain't in you, it can't come out of you. If the Word of God is not in you, it can't come out of you. You need to study and show yourself approved a workman worthy of your hire. Get in the Word. That's what Jesus did. Now I want you to focus on today's lesson. Really, we're going to cover the ministry, but we're also going to cover one first we're going to kind of spend a little time on, and it comes in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, and Matthew 4, 11. We're going to read both of those. It says in Mark 1, 13, Mark 1, 13 says, And he was there in the wilderness, forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast. And listen to this. And the angels ministered unto him. The angels ministered unto him. And then it says, Matthew 4, 11 says, Then when the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, Jesus had successfully passed the test or the temptations. And now we say that he is ministered to by angels. Um, and Let's look, look at that in just a moment. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, right? And Satan tested him throughout that time period. Not just those three temptations. He saved those three for last. But he no doubt tried to test. There was wild beasts threatening him, we learned, right? Because it says there that it said that, if you remember, if you go back up in Mark 1.13, it says, and was with the wild beast. So there was clearly dangerous things out there, no doubt, probably uh, snakes and everything else out there. Uh, it was not a, it was not a civilized place. It was somewhat bad. And it says, and Satan came and ministered to him. The angels came and ministered to him. I mean, so let's focus on that just a minute. 
Don Stewart describes the ministry of angels, and I used his to kind of model what we're going to talk about. So we're going to kind of be using a lot of stuff from Don Stewart. So if you're interested, you can go do a search on the internet for Don Stewart. You can find the information that we're presenting today. He said that the work and ministry of angels with respect to humanity can be placed in three categories. So as we look, since Jesus was ministered to by the angels, it's important to talk about what type of ministries do angels do and what were they doing for Jesus? Because if they were ministering to him and we understand what the angels' ministries are, then maybe we can understand what he was doing. Because it simply just said, and they ministered to him. It didn't say they fed him. It didn't say they cleansed him. It didn't say it said they ministered to him. So let's focus on that word for ministry. Uh, first thing we see is that angels, part of angels' ministry is to act as God's agents. You know, angels act as exec, as executors of God's judgment. You know, when God decrees judgment on humanity, often he sends angels to carry that out. And give you some example. After he drove them out of the garden, Adam and Eve, he placed east side of the Garden of Eden cherubims, or angels, with a flaming sword, uh, going back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. So nobody could go to the tree of life anymore. That's Genesis 3.24. So the first thing we see of angels is that God put them in place to guard the tree of life. We also see in Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, and I'm not going to read that, it's pretty long detailed, we see that the angels judged the city of Jerusalem for their idolatry. We also see not only did uh, we see the, the executors of God's judgment and as God's agent, we also see that he also, uh, remember, they were judged, they, they did judgment of Sodom. Angels went into Sodom to pronounce judgment upon the city. Genesis 19.1 says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. So the angels actually came to Sodom to speak with Lot. We also know that angels, not only do angels uh, act as executors, not only do they pronounce judgment, but they also act with authority. Uh, when angels are sent to do the will of God, they act with authority. They have God's word. It's kind of like if, if, if I have, when I go and speak for my job, I'm speaking on behalf of my agency. That's my obligation. Uh, I have to be careful what I say. I have to fall in line with that. Uh, at the tomb of Jesus, two angels broke the Roman seal, rolled back the massive stone, and it caused the entire guard unit to faint. Matthew 28, verses 2 to 4 says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his remnant white as snow. And for the fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. See, the angels came and we see them and, and, and they're all their glory. Now, interesting enough, I think the angels glow. 
I think there is a glow about them, but I think the glow of the angels is a result of um, is a result of being in the presence of God. You know, Moses glowed when he came down from the mountain after being in the presence of God. And Moses was probably when his, when his glow started to fade, he covered himself up with a veil because he didn't want people to see that his glow was fading. <laughs> you know, maybe the point is, if you if you stand in the presence of God, you'll have a glow too. Maybe not a physical aura about you, but there'll be an aura about you. Uh, you'll understand you'll be different. The world will notice that you are different. Not to digress on that. So we see the first thing we saw that that the angels ministry as a as God's agents. But we also see not only did they minister as God's agents, but they also were God's messengers. You know, angels bring messages to humanity. In keeping with the meaning, the term angel means a spiritual being serving God, especially as a messenger. So we know the actual angel itself means that they were messengers of God. You know, God has used angels to send messages to humanity in a number of ways. Let's look at those, several of those. Uh, the first is divine revelation. The martyr Stephen said in Acts 7.53, Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. So he says that, that they've received divine revelation by angels, but did not accept it. That came from the martyr Stephen. Paul wrote to the Galatians in 3.19, and it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. So we see that, that, we see that one of the things that uh, uh, God's messengers, they provide divine revelation. The book of Revelation is another example. Uh, in, in the very introduction to the book of Revelation, we're told, told that this final book of Scripture was given through an angel. Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. What does it say? And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So we see the book of Revelations was given to John through an angel. Signified. It was signified by an angel. Another way that we know that he acted as messengers is by announcements. We saw this earlier in the study because remember the angels came and announced the birth of Jesus. They announced the birth of John the Baptist. So we saw those those right there are two announcements that they made. That's Matthew one twenty for those on the reference, and Luke one eleven through thirteen would be the references for that. But not only did they provide announcements, but they also came to pronounce, proclaim warnings. Angels have given warning to the people of God numerous times. And remember, just as one example, the angels warned the angel warned Joseph in a dream to get up. And go now. That was in Matthew 2.13. So remember that, that God can send angels to warn people. He also send, sent angels to instruct. God used angels to provide instruction. The Gentile Cornelius, as you might remember, received angelic instructions. He was commanded to send servants to Joppa 
and to find Simon Peter, an angel came to him, a Gentile Cornelius, and told him to send servants to Joppa and find Simon Peter and bring him back. So we know that. God's servants. Angels have always been used in God's service. Right? They've always been used. We know that. They ministered to believers in the following ways. So they were God's servants. Let's see how they ministered to, to Christianity. They rejoiced at conversions. Interesting enough, angels in the spiritual warfare of people, they're so involved in that that they rejoice at their conversion. Jesus said in Luke 15.10, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. The angels rejoice over one sinner's repentance. So every time someone is saved, the angels rejoice. Uh, it didn't say an angel of God. It says the angels of God. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. A, a soul being saved is a precious thing. How many times in your church when someone gets saved, we think, oh, that's wonderful, and we clap our hands. Oh, that's great. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Do we really rejoice? Think about this. That person who was saved was snatched out of the pits of hell and is now on their way to heaven because of the mercy and sacrifices of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This person who had no hope now has eternal hope. This person who would spend their life in torment and torture will now spend their life with the presence of God rejoicing in blessings beyond our possible imagination. We should be rejoicing. <clears throat> uh, we should not out-rejoice the angels in heaven. <laughs> uh, angels in heaven can only know of God's grace but we can experience it. So not only did they rejoice at the conversion, but also physical provision. Angels have been used to give physical provision. I remember Elijah. Well, let's read this. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 5-7. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon in the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because of the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So we see here the angels actually fixed the food. They actually fixed food for him. So we see that. Uh, angels have been sent to sustain people. We see that in our scripture today. Matthew 4.11. We see it today. Remember, we see that today in our scripture where it's Matthew 4.11. Then the angel leaveth them. Behold, the angels came and ministered to him. So we see that they come to sustain people. We also see physical protection. The two angels that visited Lot protected both themselves and Lot 
and caused blindness of the men of Sodom. You read that in Genesis 19.11. So we know that they also can provide physical protection. They also can provide deliverance. God has used angels as objects of deliverance in Numbers 20.16. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and it brought us forth out of Egypt. So we know that God uses angels to deliver us. The Lord also used angels to deliver Paul and John, remember, from the hands of the Sadducees. Acts 5.19 But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth. So not only are they a deliverance, but they also by giving direction. The Bible says that Philip was directed to the Ethiopian eunuch by an angel. Acts 8.26 And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south, and say unto that way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. So the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. So we see here the angel actually came and told Philip where to go and what to do. You know, so angels can also give directions. They can also provide in assisting in answering prayers. Now, on a couple of occasions, angels assisted in answering prayers. In the book of Daniel, we have angel Gabriel explaining to Daniel the meaning of his prayers. We also find Peter being helped with the release from prison by an angel sent in response to prayers. Right, The angels came at the request of the people that were praying diligently for the release of Peter. And uh, the angel came and helped release him from prison. So we see the, they assist in the answering of prayer. They also help in encouragement. You know, angels have been sent for encouragement. Often, when, we don't, uh, uh, when they don't appear to people, their first words are, don't be afraid. When they appear, when angels appeared before them, they said, fear not, don't be afraid, fear not. I'm not here to cause you harm. I'm here to give you some good news. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to give you directions. The apostle Paul was encouraged by an angel after the storm at sea. So we know angels occur, appear in the Bible. They appear to encourage people. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, you know, who was a discouraged and frightened man, and led Gideon went on to lead the nation, the the, the Israel, lead Israel in a great victory over the Midianites. Next, we see that not only did they do that, the angels also motivate people. You know, well. Now, back up a second. Angels also, let's, let's, we, we looked at the acts of angels. What about the motivation? Angels and their motive. Why do they do what they do? Why do angels do what they do? Uh, what motivates an angel in their ministry to humans? Understand it's not because of their love for humans necessarily, but their love for God and devotion to him. See, because humans are God's desire, God's love. God's, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we see the work of angels can be placed in the three categories. 
One, they're God's agents who execute his judgment. Two, angels are God's messengers that reveal his will. And three, they are God's servants doing his will. So they're, they execute his judgment, they reveal his will, and they do his will. They also appear in crucial times in the overall program of God to do God's bidding. Let's face it, the work of angels has been important, if not critical, to God's overall plan. Angels appear, and angels do work that makes a difference. So having said that, let's go back to our verse for today that we want to talk about, right? That little simple verse, the two verses that we read at the beginning, we'll jump back up here to the top where it says that, the two little verses, one of them is in Mark 1.13. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was in the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. We studied what ministries were. Then the devil leaving him, behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So we see the angels ministered to him. Now let's jump back down again to what we just got through summarizing. <clears throat> angels, they are God's agent who executes judgment. They reveal his will, and they do his will. So these angels came to Jesus after his testing to do what? Were they there to execute his judgment? I don't think so, because Jesus passed the test. Now we could say, were angels there in case he did not do the right thing so they could execute judgment on God's son? Well, it was an impossibility. So that's one of, the, that's one of those stupid questions, really, because you understand the nature of God. God could not ascend. God cannot be tested with man, tempted with man's sin. So therefore, it's not possible. But therefore, there was no execution of judgment. However, would he have put the angels there to execute judgment in case, just to show the world that he was ready to execute judgment even against his own son if he violated the law? Perhaps. Perhaps. Knowing that wasn't going to happen, though, I don't know why, you know. It's kind of like I'm a football official. And we have a pre-meeting with the captains. We actually meet with the coaches first, and we ask the coaches during the pre-conference, if you win the toss, do you want to kick? Do you want to receive? Or do you want to defer? Defer your option to the second half. And they'll tell me what they want. Now, if I've got one team that wants to receive and the other team that wants to kick, wants to uh, 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 defer, then I don't have any trouble. I know which team is going to kick the ball, and so I know which ball I need. Now, some officials choose to take both balls out because they don't want people to know, but many of us just take the ball out that we need to make sure we have the ball ready for the kickoff. We don't need to take the other one because we already know. But the, the So the point is, did did they bring both balls out? Did 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 God put His angels to execute judgment there in case? I, I can't tell you. We know He wasn't going to execute judgment because Jesus wasn't going to fail. Anyway, the second thing: angels are God's master revealing His will. Is it possible that God gave some information to Jesus? Remember, Jesus temporarily set aside His humanity. 
I mean, his 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 uh, his divinity. It is possible that the angels came and ministered to Jesus by giving him some information from the Father. It is possible. Uh, it said he ministered to him. Uh, they also did his will. What was that one of his will? One of his will was obviously defeat him. But but it says, let's look and see here. So the appearance of Jesus' minister was probably several things. One, to feed him. He hadn't eaten in 40 days, in 40 nights. And we know that he fed Elijah before, so we have to assume that they could easily have fed Jesus. And we know they did that. Uh, to assist him in healing from his physical condition. I'm sure that's possible. Jesus probably was somewhat uh, dehydrated and everything else, and so therefore it's possible. And then uh, to fellowship with him. You know, 40 days alone in the wilderness, you like to have somebody to talk with, and no doubt they fellowship with him. And uh, 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 so that's part of what they did. Perhaps now even perhaps some of these angels... Um, now, I'm going out on a limb here, so don't say, hey, this is what the Bible says. The Bible don't say this is David Barber saying this. I'm just thinking about things, and I think perhaps some of these angels might have been Jesus' personal angels in heaven. You know, when he was on the throne, he may have had his own angels, you know, that were just the ones that were closest to him. You know, we don't know, but you can assume since Jesus knew all the angels that, that perhaps God would send those who were more closely associated with the Son. No doubt Jesus had talked about this plan among the angels who were around the throne because they knew God's will. So these could have been people, these could have been angels that were closely associated with Jesus and were there to help encourage him and help strengthen him and bring him back. I, I don't know, but that's what I would think. I would think that as many angels as they were, God was not just sent random angels. He sent angels that probably had tasks to perform and to assist the Savior. Now we get to the second part, which not very long, but just we're going to cover just the second part. The uh, not Jesus begins his ministry. Uh Not much is stated about Jesus beginning his ministry in the Synoptic Gospels. Here's what they say in Matthew 4, 12 and 17. Now when Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. In verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach, to say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That doesn't really tell you much about what happened in the beginning of his ministry. Mark 1 14, 15 says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Again, we don't know what happened between the time of the, temp the, the, time of the ending of the testing and when John was put into prison. Luke 4, 14-17 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, <clears throat> and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Again, a one little short statement that really doesn't tell us what happened during this time period. Now, remember, John is different. John is not known as a synoptic gospel. John is the apostle, written by the apostle John, was intimately knowledgeable about God, about what happened. 
And John provides more details in what happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So we're going to look at that just for a few moments. John did not cover the baptism nor the temptation or the testing of Jesus. Well, you say, remember, we talked about that already. It is covered in John, but it's covered as John the Baptist is talking about it to the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, so as stated last lesson, the statement in John refers to John the Baptist. John 1.19, and this is the record of John. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? This is where John talks about the baptism. The, te the temptation was never covered at all in John because it was already well covered by the other three. John is trying to fill in the gaps of information from a personal knowledge after the other Gospels were written to help people understand the complete message. So John didn't need to cover those uh, events of the testing because Matthew and Luke covered them very well. John the Apostle, interesting enough, was a disciple of John the Baptist. We'll learn about that next week when we start talking about uh, Jesus' ministry and his, his obtaining disciples. We'll begin talking about the disciples next week. So, but, but John the Apostle, the Apostle was a disciple of John the Baptist. So was Andrew, Peter's brother. The two of them were. We know John, the apostle, um, filled in the gaps as a personal insider. We know something about what was happening after Jesus returned from the wilderness, after, from the wilderness experience, the testing. We know that because in John 1.28, it says, these things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. So we, these events that we're about to see took place in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now, why was Jesus there? It's possible he returned after the testing to hear John preach again. You know, you can't never get enough of a good preacher. Uh... It appears that he was there, we know, probably to get his first disciples. Because we know that too. John 1, 35-37. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So we know probably Jesus was there, not just to hear John, but to get two disciples. At this point, I don't want to go in beyond that at this point because this is now when we start getting the disciples. Uh, John the Baptist at this point is not in prison. John the Baptist at this point is preaching the gospel, still out there preaching the gospel. And we're going to cover that as we go through the early days of Jesus when John is in prison, but John is not in prison yet. We know several of the gospels just start off with him being in prison. So we can't go to their Gospels are, are on hold until after John fills in the gaps so that we can go forward. Okay? All right, so that's all I'm going to do for today. We're at uh, about 40 minutes into the presentation. I appreciate you being here. 
Uh, next week, we're going to look at Jesus and his first disciples and keep going from there. But thank you so much for studying with us today. Again, the ministry of angels are important. They minister to Jesus and they minister to us. They do God's will. They proclaim judgments. So we need to follow God's will and do what God wants us to do. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll close for the day. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity we can have to study the ministry of angels and to see the beginning of the ministry, your ministry, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word and showing us the truth. Thank you, Lord, how these things are intertwined, how they're linked together so that we can gain the knowledge that we need by studying all of the scripture. And Lord, if everything was in one book, we wouldn't read the other books. So we thank you, Lord, for sharing that truth and sharing it in a way that ties them together yet leaves them separate so we can gain more knowledge. I thank you, Lord, for the writers. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, most of all for your son who died on the cross for our sins. I thank you, Lord, now that you help us to go out and spread the gospel so that others might come to you, so that the angels in heaven can rejoice at the saving of one's soul. Again, thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I thank you for your time and for your attention today. Um, the uh, We're getting closer and closer to, to seeing. We're going to be studying about the disciples next week. And we hope that you come back and join us then. And until then, may uh, you spread the gospel. That's the message for you today. Thank you. Have a good one.